Happy holidays and welcome to the third hour of KJ and Dondero in for the Rich Keefe show. Uh, hopefully everything's going well for you. Gifts, family, nice IPA, quiet time, kids. It's this tis the season to kind of rest, relax, and reset for the new year. Mark, great to be back with you. Now, truth be told, I don't think we've done a show together in probably six months. You know, I was trying to think of it. Maybe it was, did we connect in the summer at all? Did we do one show over the summer at some point? But it's been, a, yeah, it's been it's, a, it's, it's been a like while. That. So it's it's always good to be back with you, man. I wish, uh, hopefully, you, I, I, I know your kids just loved Christmas, didn't they? They love it. They loved it. Um, you know, I, you know, one thing I never understand, and we yeah. didn't do this, and maybe that's it, I'm just bitter, but I've see, I see a bunch of videos, pictures of people at, you know, Christmas Eve parties, that yeah. have Santa Claus show up at the door. Yeah, kind of ruins like, the I whole, don't understand. The if, whole, yeah. If he's coming at night, why is he showing up at the door for the kids? What are we right. doing here? Yes. See, that's the thing. That. People are taking away the 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 imagery that's supposed to be right, because I was just joking about this with John Lyons. At what point does this become like a CNN special, the real conversation about Santa? Like, okay, so the guy doesn't get pulled over. Where does he gas up? Is the sleigh now electric? Do we have some animal cruelty and animal rights situations going on? Like all these questions would be asked in the today environment versus just having this, wow, this is really neat that this guy hits every every hemisphere in 24 hours, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right there. I think some people are just kind of forgetting the whole purpose of what Santa's supposed to be and kind of throwing it off. You know, like honestly, my daughter, we're in the ER with my daughter, who turns out she had the flu, and a lot of kids do. Oh, jeez. But we were there till 1 in the morning. And so there's a part of me that's like... On Christmas oh, Eve? On Christmas Eve. Oh, so geez. I'm like thinking, okay, number one, let's not make any mention that it's after midnight. That's number one. Yeah. And number two, how do you answer, does Santa come to the ER if he's supposed to be at your house? Right? So these are, these are legit questions. But luckily, my daughter fell asleep. By that time, she got home. Luckily, Santa had put the gifts under, so it was still all in the relativity of, hey, in the midnight hour, somehow Santa showed up while you were at the ER over the last three hours. So she's doing fine now. But look, before we went to break, you said you wanted to ask me something regarding, because we've been having this pretty good conversation about Jalen Brown in terms of the trust factor moving forward, do you believe? Yeah, and this isn't necessarily a fair question, but I need to know the answer. If you had to choose... If somebody said, KJ, one of the next two players I mention, are n- they're not going to be available for the Celtics for the rest of the season. It's either Jalen Brown or Derek White. Who, I mean, I don't want to ask it this way because that's not, you know, it's it, it, a disrespectful way. But who, if you had to lose one of them, who would you feel worse about losing? Derek <sighs> White or Jalen Brown? I think from a team perspective, it would be Derek White because you get the defense you get the additional scoring. Where with Jalen Brown, you know, you're going to get the volume. You're just going to miss volume of shots. Now, the, the shots tend to go on more often than not, but you're now eliminating the high-volume high shooter, and you feel like, okay, could Derek White pick up that slack? Absolutely. Could Drew Holiday pick up that slack? Absolutely, of those shots that aren't being taken, and you still have Tatum. Look. Now, yeah. They're, sorry, they're probably going to need, they're going to need both to win a championship. They're both going to have to play Well, you said either or. No, I know. I yeah. know. Yeah, that was the right answer. I'm not faulting you. I'm oh, just, okay. I, I, they're going to need both, but, you know, I just don't want to come off as disrespectful here. Like, I'm disrespecting Jalen Brown. I like his game a lot, but I just feel like Derek White, in agreement with you, he, I, 
he just comes up big in the big moments. I feel like he's made more big plays than Jalen Brown over the course of his tenure year. I think he has more of that winning DNA, whatever that is, than Jalen Brown does. I just think he has a knack for being in the right place and doing the right thing and coming through more than Jalen Brown does, even though he's probably not as physically gifted, naturally gifted. I just... I think Derek White is more of a priority for this team than Jalen Brown is. I think he's better right now than Jalen Brown is. So are we really getting to maybe the core of it, like the subconscious of everything, is that you're saying that I trust Derek White to not make the turnovers that Jalen Brown has been making in key moments? It goes beyond that. I trust Derek White to make the shot that Jalen Brown hasn't made in key moments. I trust Jalen. I trust Derek White to just find a way more than I trust Jalen Brown. In key moments, I don't. I mean, I don't have the stats to back it up or all this analytical. But I don't think. I don't think you're talking about a stat thing. I think you're talking about a situational yeah, thing. It's like a DNA eye test vibe thing, and I'm just telling you, it's more Derek White than Jalen Brown to me. I think he's a bigger part of what the Celtics want to be and where they're going. Derek White more than Jalen Brown. I do not mean disrespect to Jalen Brown. If it comes off that way, I'm sorry. I just feel like I trust Derek White more. In fairness to Jalen Brown, maybe if Derek White had some of the expectations and the contract Brown had, it wouldn't be as easy for Derek White. Maybe that's true. I well, mean, you th- well, you think about the Derek White acquisition, you're kind of like, well, hey, there are really no expectations other for the other than the guy not to make mistakes. Remember, because that's what you were having in the backcourt was like, okay, you need another defender back there who you don't have to depend on scoring. But if you can get, remember, we we're saying this: if you get eight to ten points out of him, then that almost would solidify a win for the team with what everybody else was doing. Now we're talking about Derek White. If you don't leave the voting to fans, if it was just by players, Derek White is the starting point guard for the Eastern Conference. Back to the way they're doing it again. So players recognize that this guy is playing at an, 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 an all-star level, you know. But when you're putting out the ballots, of course, you're going to have your typical names up there. So again, I think because there wasn't such great expectations for Derek White, it's superseded. And I think with Jalen Brown, because there's so much expectation from him that even some of the the, the minuscule things—well, they're not minuscule. The turnovers aren't. But when you're seeing things like that, or the trouble going left, or the kicking of the ball trying to go through the through the lane, you're you're trying to say to yourself, this guy needs to be above that. There's an expectation to be better than that. All right, let's get to the text messages here. Three seven ninety three seven. Nico, what you got? All right. So our first texter texter says, Jason Tam averages more turnovers than Jalen Brown. Okay, but are they at, at Listen, critical moments? That, that's yeah. why, though, Nico. That's why I said KJ. I wasn't even coming into this conversation talking about the turnovers. I was talking about and why I brought up Chandler Jones. I was talking about the big plays and the big moments. I know Jalen Brown can stuff the stat sheet. He can have. I mean, he was second team All NBA last year. Right. It's not an accident. Like you have to be good all year long to get an award like that or to be recognized like that. I'm talking about in the big moments, right. in the playoff moments, the biggest stretches of the biggest games. I haven't been able to count on him. Well, That's I think what even, I'm talking I about. think even to counter what the texter is saying, okay, yeah, you can give me a generalized stat that Tatum has more turnovers, but let's break that down to the last three minutes of a game, where the with the with the span of the game is the, the the balance of the game was in seven points. We've seen over time that Brown has kicked the ball a little more often than Tatum has. And plus, you would expect Tatum to see double teams more often than not. So he's got increased defense on him. So 
this is we're talking more of the critical periods versus over the span of a 48 minute game. I'm not even we're not even talking about that. All right, next text. So this next texter says, have you watched the last 10 to 12 games? Not sure where you're coming from, but Brown has been excellent. I think they're missing the point with the big moments here. So I'll just say one thing that we forget about Jalen Brown is that he was terrific in that Golden State Warriors final in 2022. Poor playoffs last year, but in 2022, he did come up in some big moments okay. there. So that's a good point, Nico. I'll give him credit. The one, the one moment I can remember that jumps out to me. Okay, and I'm not saying that. I'm talking about a stretch of time. He did have, what was it, in game one, I remember he went on, it was like the end of the third, going into the fourth quarter, and Brown scored like nine straight points right. to go from the Celtics where they were like down maybe 10, and they, it got to down two or up one. Or something. Yeah, he, he had pulled of, them closer. He yes. was the one that pulled them in, yes. That was his, to me, that was the best moment of his career because that's, that's what I need more of. I don't, Jalen Brown... It's not even good at – forget about the turnovers and losing the game. Jalen Brown can't be Devin McCourty, and I say that with respect to McCourty. But McCourty was a solid, no mistakes. You know, he he just did his job. I need Jalen Brown when Jason Tatum goes down with an ankle injury in the first minutes of Game 7. Jalen Brown, all you know, second-team All-NBA, this big contract that he was fixing to get, he needs to step up and take over the game. He needs to have a huge first half or a huge second half or a huge fourth quarter and take over and dominate. That's Jalen Brown based on the expectations that he's earned. And he hasn't come close to doing that. But in in fairness to Jalen Brown, he has a situation in front of him that most NBA teams don't. I'm thinking where you have two bona fide superstars and who defers to who. Like Milwaukee is learning this now with Dame Lillard, right? Like, Giannis has to figure out how he defers because Chris Middleton knew how to defer to Giannis. Now it's a situation, can Giannis learn how to defer to Dame and vice versa? So, you know, Embiid and Harden, you saw how it really didn't work. You saw Harden completely freeze up in the in 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 the playoffs last year against the Celtics where he felt like, hey, here I am taking over a game, and now two games later I'm just like a, like a, a deer in headlights. So that, I think, has to be taken into account because – you're expecting Tatum to be the guy down the stretch, but you also have another player on the floor who can be that guy down the stretch too. It just it's just very rare that it happens that way. I, I think this team with better pieces probably frees up a little more pressure for Jalen Brown to feel comfortable to hit that shot where, you know, like let's just say I was saying earlier, they force him to the right side of the court and say, Okay, go do your thing, and we don't believe you can. Now he could kick it into Porzingis and reposition himself. Or maybe someone has to want to come in for Porzingis because he might have been hot. So a a lot of it has to do with the presence in the post, I believe, is going to allow Jalen Brown to be more successful in the playoffs. One more text before we go to break. Okay, and our next text is, the big man needed by trade is from the Pistons, Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, I can see that. I just don't know if you get Isaiah Stewart, who's playing starter minutes, and then not really have the room for him to play starter minutes. I, I mean, I get you get a guy from a bad team. Yeah, but I'd be uh, for that if they could do that. If they could make right. that work, I don't know anything about Isaiah Stewart. Like if he would gel with this group, this locker right. room, all those different things. And you've got a good situation here. I think they could absorb any type of personality, but you want to make sure. Um, that the guy has a chance to have success. And know their role, right? And know their role. That's the other part of it. Yeah, look, I'm just saying with the Jalen Brown thing, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm trashing Jalen Brown because I love his game. He's an awesome player. But 
you know, right now for me, when I go down the stretch uh, of a big playoff game, Jalen Brown's the fifth guy I'm thinking about. He is the fifth Whoa. player on, I'm thinking on the, about. On the court for the Celtics? He's the fifth player I'm thinking about down That's the stretch crazy. of a big game. I'm That's sorry. It, I trust. Crazy. If you're talking about trust down the stretch, I trust, obviously, Tatum. I trust White. I trust uh, Porzingis. And I trust uh, Drew Holiday more than Jalen Brown. I want yeah. him out there. I want him playing. I want him in the second quarter to get hot and to go nuts and to lay, to, to give the Celtics a lead that they can massage the rest of the way and so they can win games with talent. I want that. But if you're talking about down the stretch of a big game where everything's magnified and everyone's you know playing their hardest. Nah, to, Brown still has to be the second option. I, I, I just can't buy that. I don't think that's going to work. I think that's a mistake if they do that. Just because he was second-team All-NBA, I don't think he has proven that he is capable of handling that moment. KJ and Don Darrow, WEEI, in for the Rich Keefe Show, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. We'll talk Patriots, what happened with the Broncos game, what the franchise is looking like moving forward. That's still to come. But right now, let's go ahead and trend with Mark Don Darrow. Tell your smart speaker to play 93.7 WEEI. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. Bill Zeke Elliott complimented Bailey Zappi's presence and uh, running of the of the offense, uh, saying that you know he's really taken control of the huddle. Have you seen his his sort of confidence outside of his performance? His confidence continue to build as he's had more time as the uh, as a starter of this offense. Oh uh, sure, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's accurate. I just love how Bill just leaves it hanging in the ether. <laughs> KJ and Don Darrow on the Rich Keefe Show. Happy holidays to you. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. That's Coach Bill Belichick on the Greg Hill Show earlier today uh, talking about Bailey Zappi's improved performance uh, since he's been really the start over the last several weeks. Let's go to Bob in New Hampshire on his thoughts with the Patriots-Broncos game. Uh, Bob, happy holidays, and thank you for calling KJ and Don Darrow. Okay, thanks for having me. Hey, I had a question. Um, I actually recorded the game. And I was wondering if I might have missed a rule or something in the NFL. And I was wondering to run this by you. There was about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Denver had the ball. They threw the ball to uh, Judy. Judy caught the ball. Uh, one of our guys missed him. And then he high-stepped and went right out of bounds. When he walked out of bounds, it was five minutes and 30 seconds left. It stopped for one second. Then, it, then the clock started again, 529. went all the way down until 455 was left, which is after the next play that they threw an incomplete pass. And I'm sitting like, well, I thought when you went out of bounds that the clock stopped. Is that at, it's in the fourth quarter? I think the clock continues fourth to run. It stops yep. when you go out of play at the five-minute mark. Is that the sound about right, Mark? That's what I thought. I couldn't remember yeah. if it was at, at the five, five or at two at, minutes, under two minutes. They changed the rules a few times. Right, I think at five, at five, the clock – now the other part of it is, right. was his um, – Forward momentum stopped uh, when he went out nope. of bounds, right? Okay, so if it wasn't stopped, unabated, yeah, he unabated. He went by himself out of bounds to stop the clock, and it didn't stop. Okay, so another thirty seconds. I would this play. this would just be my guess. I don't have the rule book in front of me, but it does seem like in the fourth quarter, once you reach the five minute mark and you go out of bounds, it stops the clock. So anything above five minutes, the clock will continue to roll and get to the five minute mark. 
Yeah, so the play started. There was six minutes left. Right. Go back to the foot, you know, he throws the ball, right? Judy catches the ball, he digs one guy, goes out, and then he runs diagonally right out of bounds. There's five okay. minutes and 30 seconds left. Right, so he's, he's still 30 seconds outside of stopping the clock. It would be th- it'd be 30 seconds outside. It wouldn't stop at five minutes because it's a continuing from the previous play, right? So it's not like, hey, it automatically right. stops at five minutes. The play, it's like two. It's like the two-minute warning, right, Mark? It's, hey, if you run a play at 2.01, it doesn't stop at two even if it's a 10- or 15-second play. You just do the two-minute warning with 145 left. Right. So it could, it could, yeah, be, it could be in that window where because he runs out of bound with 535, the clock will continue to run. There's a 40-second clock that would then start up at that point, a 25-second clock that starts up at that point. And so it would still continue so, so, to run. So let me ask you a question then. And will an incomplete pass start, cause the clock to continue to run as well? No. no. I mean, no, that, that just probably okay, is just Because what happened, the 530 even out of bounds, it clipped down until they actually got back up and just, you know, lined up for the next place because he got a first down. Mm-hmm. And uh, he threw it. It was an incomplete pass. So the incomplete pass stopped the clock at 4.59. That's supposed. That's what's supposed to happen no matter what. Okay. So the out-of-bounds then at 5.30 is okay for it to continue to run. Yeah, it's, it might be under five minutes it stops. I right. think they even changed that rule. It might be under two minutes it stops. For sure under two minutes it stops. Or but maybe I under think... five minutes it stops until they set the ball and then it runs once the ball's set. Opposed to if you're staying in bounds, but yeah, this would have been over five though. Right, right? so it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have stopped. It wouldn't have stopped. Right, all right, thanks for the call. Yeah. Um, was that all? This just a rules question? That's what that was. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, look, I'll say this: the page, and this has been impressive. They're yeah. playing for Bill Belichick. They haven't quit, and I didn't think they would. Qu- I mean. They could, but I guess it speaks to not just Belichick, but the leadership within the locker room and some of the guys that have been there, the Matt Slaters, and I don't know if you can throw in the quarterbacks, I guess, Jabril Peppers. They are not quitting. They are playing hard. But, again, I don't understand. Um, This is not time to become prisoner of the moment. Hey, good win. You fought for it. You, You know, the Denver Broncos missed an opportunity. We know what this team is. This team is not good. Bailey Zappi is not the future. So it's nice he had a moment with Bill Belichick. They were hugging afterwards. It's Christmas Eve. They're hugging in the locker room. Everybody's happy. This team is not. I mean, that win, the reality is, and I, I, you know, I'm sorry to be a negative man. The reality is that win could have screwed the Patriots for 15 years. I see. I I can't. I can't go with the whole tanking thing. I just don't buy it because at the end of the day, you don't buy it. Well, here's the thing, but you have to win the locker room now. And you were not like. Nobody, I don't think anybody believes that Bailey Zappi is the future quarterback of this franchise. I think he's just the guy who's able to step in there and at least give the team confidence going at least into halftime that you still have a shot to win a game. Because what was happening with Mac Jones were the, were the mistakes were happening right away. That by the time you got to half, you were like, okay, not only do we not have the personnel to come from behind, but we may make there may be more mistakes made that we won't even have a chance to compete. At least Mac, at least Bailey Zappi's given this team a chance to compete, and then and look, you have to be impressed with the drive because it's all about each week being an individual story. So to go into Denver on Christmas night in a prime time game and go instead of going for the tie and playing for overtime, you take the ball down 
and win the game. Now, keep in mind, remember I mentioned my daughter was in the ER as that yeah. game was in the balance. I came back and watched the game myself, and I said, hey, wait a minute. Wow, I didn't realize that Denver had had the ball again with under two minutes left. So I was even more impressed with the decision of saying, let's go ahead and move the ball. And, and keep in mind, Belichick still had to ride with Chad Ryland, who had been stinking it up this whole season. So there, there's that victory for today. For Christmas, they felt good. It was a Christmas miracle. I'm not saying it's going to turn the season around, but yet it disappoints me. Like, do you want the team to win this week? Or are you worried about some guy who who may not even be good enough to beat it? Because think about, think about this. Mac Jones was a first-round pick, and when I see Drake May, I see a guy whose stats aren't as big as Mitch Trubisky's, and look what's happened to the ACC in terms of what they've thought of the quality of football when it's come to the college playoff. So for those who are like, Drake May is automatically going to be better than what you have with Mac Jones, I would say you don't know that yet. So since you don't know that yet, how about celebrating the win this week? And how about you possibly could win two of your last three games on the way out? But no, there's some negative Nancy saying, oh, it's going to mess things up for a long time to come. It might, though. Why? It might. Because what if one of those guys is a stud? Oh, so that's see, that's the other thing that just baffles me about the fan base sometimes. What if we had this? What if Debo Samuel that? What if DK Metcalf that? What if this? What if that? What if this? When the first thing you know is that it's the culture that sets everything here for the Patriots. Those players may not have seen the level of success that they you think that you don't think that Debo Samuel doesn't benefit by having Mike Shanahan as his head coach. He doesn't have a Mike, he wouldn't have a Mike Shanahan here. Same thing with Pete Carroll overseeing the offense and and, and, and what they were doing in Seattle to help develop DK Metcalf. DJ DK you think he was gonna get that same no, development no, that's here? That's a great point. And I I've I've made that point where we hear about all these receivers and all this stuff, and I've said there's no guarantee that you would have seen. Like, for example, DK Metcalf probably wouldn't have been DK Metcalf here. I don't yeah. know if that guy would have thrived here the way he has in Seattle. And not that he's the best receiver in the league, um, but he's been good. And he's well, been better than anything you have. Well, think about even the name that's brought up the most by fans when it comes to the Patriots and drafted receivers is Nikhil Harry. Remember, he was supposed to be the new young guy for Tom. And I think Tom was kind of like, no, give me Antonio Brown because that's who I want to roll with. I know what he can do. So even in that whole Belichickian thought is Belichick would rather go with an established player in the league that he knows what they can do than to put a lot of faith in a person who hasn't played in the league yet. So you remember that was the whole thing. It's like, why isn't Nikhil Harry and Brady connecting? Because maybe Brady was already kind of disconnected from what was going on with the team. Then, of course, you know, when Antonio Brown plays the one game and then gets suspended by the league for that incident with his girlfriend, then that goes away. Then the season kind of gets ugly from there, even though they like it's the most uninspiring playoff season probably of all the playoff seasons was Brady's last year was kind of like, okay, we're limping in. We limped out in Tennessee. Oh, by the way, you guys looking for houses and school for your kids while you're here. So that's all that stuff was going on. So now I would say, okay, you bring in a new quarterback. I think that quarterback probably has to kind of sit for a year and see how things play out because if you put them right away and they get overwhelmed, then you might just end up with Mac Jones 2.0 despite what their skill is. So like maybe Bailey Zappi is a mini bridge, not saying a full season bridge, that maybe Bailey Zappi is that guy that gets to show maybe six or seven more games of tape. If he can get them to 500 and the rookie is ready to go, then boom, pull the trigger while you still have a chance to make a run for the playoffs. Listen, if you had the quarterback in-house, 
the Indianapolis Colts in 1998. They weren't good, but they had Peyton Manning. If the if you have the quarterback of the future that's just not having a good rookie year, there's nobody around them, or there's no offensive line, or whatever it is, then I'm all for sort of what you're saying. Win the patience, the le- Win the patience level from the from the mouths don't they don't exist like that now. Well, I'm just saying if you know you have the quarterback. You know, win as much as you can late in the year. Don't worry about the draft pick the next year. You go win games and try to build something for the future. If you have the quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback, then yes, I want them to. I'm not saying tank. I'm not saying roll over. But I do root for them to lose so they have as many options available to them when they draft as possible. Because without the quarterback, you have nothing. There's no way. There's no way that any player in that locker room up and down that roster, including the practice squad, that says, yeah, next year. <laughs> no, of course not. Those players, <laughs> that would be disrespectful for me to say they should think like that, and they don't. But I think like that because I'm a fan, I'm not a player, and I want to see that team get back to relevance, and the only way to do that is with a quarterback. So, yes, I want them to have access to as many of the quarterback prospects as possible. So, okay, so let's say the scenario plays out where the Patriots still are able to get a quarterback, but a better quarterback pans out in the second round. Do we kind of go in this kind of circle jerk, if you will, like, oh, well, you got this guy, and it should have been this guy, and look what that guy is doing later. So, that, you know, like, look, let's just say Michael Penix Jr. ends up becoming this absolute stud, but he goes to the second round because of Daniels and his, you know, and him winning the Heisman and some of the people who like him. Then, of course, you've got Drake May, you've got Caleb Williams in there. But let's say one of those other quarterbacks pan out because look, look, look where what, what's going to look where Trey Lance is right now. Look, look where Trey Lance is right now. Okay. Look where Mac Jones is right now. And you can almost make the argument like what's going on in Jacksonville in terms of Trevor Lawrence. Like, so some of these Justin Fields right, just make I, the comment. I see what you're saying. But right. The bottom line is more often than not. If you're talking about giving yourself the best chance at getting the best quarterback you can, that happens at the top of the first round. I mean, look at all the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Where was where was Pat Mahomes drafted? Ten overall, and that was late. Where was Josh Allen drafted? Seven. But you, where what was, was the record Joe of the Chiefs the year before? Weren't they like two and fifteen, like two and fourteen the year before that? I don't remember. I mean, they were yeah, drafting. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit not as bad as that if they were two and fourteen, they'd be near the top. I mean, Joe Burrow was one. Trevor Lawrence was one. You know, Lamar Jackson, not as high, but that's sort of an outlier. He's a steal because he was still around and the Ravens moved up into the first round to get him. And honestly, I'm not sure that Lamar Jackson would have the success he's having with another coach. He would have success, but that's a good program that he went into, and they knew how to use him, and they really did a good job integrating him into what they were trying to do offensively. I just don't know. If you want the best chance at getting the best quarterback, it usually happens at the top of the first round, usually. Right. I I can see exactly what you're saying because this is supposed to be the can't-miss prospect. You start getting into developmental and holes as you move further down, right? But you talk about the system. So what quarterback would fit the the system that isn't working right now, right? Because the system – was built around what Tom Brady's skill set was and how he could be really a coach on the field. That's why I said I don't think it was ever really going to be fair to Mac Jones to be that next guy because you nobody has that type of field vision and awareness that Tom Brady has. 
This guy turned out to be completely unaware, it seemed at times, and that's what's making this difficult now. So you can't say, well, let's try it again with the same system with another guy who may give you the same Mac Jones, Mac Jones results. Like, I think you have to change the system of play. We mentioned earlier in the show, like if Eric Bieniemy was interested in being the next head coach here, I think you go that route because then you can say, this guy's been able to coach up a Patrick Mahomes and even got Sam Howell to play good enough to beat your very same team. The coach is going to be a thing, um, but it ultimately comes down to the quarterback. And if you don't have the quarterback, you don't have anything. So that's why I am where I am. I just think that's the best chance at getting back to the level you want to be on. Draft yeah. high. Yeah. So let's let's look at the, some of the quarterbacks because here's what's interesting: that the gift that the Patriots, if you want to go that route about like, oh wow. Washington is now moved ahead. Caleb Williams is from Maryland. And if you believe that, that Ron Rivera is out and Eric Bieniemy is really the higher in waiting, then Caleb Williams is going to be going to Washington. And that and that may be the cost that you might say. Like, if you had a chance to get Caleb Williams and because you won that game in Denver and possibly win that last game against the Jets, it moved you out of that position. But then you would be asking yourself, why was there such a drop-off that Caleb Williams, just a couple of people before you, you couldn't get something that was just as successful or comparable for what you're trying to achieve, which is to really kind of rediscover what the quarterback position is in the current age of football. So I, I don't understand. What, are you asking me something? Yeah, like what? 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 What would be the difference, right? Like, you, like it? Like, can you be mad for winning a game? Like, if Caleb Williams is off the board and suddenly everybody else behind him, then maybe you have a busted class. That's why I'm saying you can't worry about like, oh, it might change your franchise forever. One guy may be good out of that entire draft, and that if that's Caleb Williams, then you could say there's a direct correlation right there because by the Patriots winning and the red and uh, and the and the Commanders losing, they were able to get him. The guy goes to his hometown. Eric Bieniemy becomes the head coach. He creates another Patrick Mahomes. That would be a little tough to see if you're a Patriots fan. Yeah, it would. I just. If they don't end up with either one of those two quarterbacks or Marvin Harrison Jr., it's probably a failure. I mean, I don't know where they're going to get the playmakers. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't even know at this point who's going to be making those picks. But that I don't even think Mar- I don't even think Marvin Harrison makes it past two. I think he goes number one to. I think the I think the Bears keep Justin Fields and get Marvin Harrison to pair him with DJ Moore. That's okay. dangerous. That's le- that's legit. So now that you're saying, okay, okay, after that come the quarterbacks. So that's why you're like, okay, if you don't get Caleb Williams, people want to run for Drake May. I think you're just really getting Mitch Trubisky Jr. Do yeah. you wait for Jaden Dan, Jalen Daniels, or do you wait for Michael Penix Jr.? You know, these are people that aren't as sexy, but these might be the people that pop with all these other comparisons of other receivers that popped in the second round and other quarterbacks that were better picks in the second round. These later guys, maybe that's where it happens. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I mean, I know you're not high on Drake May, but he has he has a lot more starts than Mitch Trubisky had, didn't he? I just look at your last starts. Yeah, well, Mitch, just... Mitch Trubisky had, I think, 10 starts in college, basically one season. Drake May has had almost 30 starts. So, okay. maybe he's not 30. Hold on, I'm looking at But it, it's more than what Trubisky had. But in his last season, Trubisky had a better QBR. Had more yards. They're comparable a little bit in terms of completions, but 
Drake Mays is a little bit lower. So you, I, I'm looking at what you did last, okay, more so than what you did a couple of years ago. Because if you've had a if you've had a decline in those say 30 starts, then my question would be like, you can't be coming into the NFL showing declining results in a conference that's pretty weak in the ACC. So. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not big on. I'm. I'm not big on Drake May, and I might be the only one standing in the shadow saying it. I think it's Caleb Williams, who's kind of a little head and shoulders above everybody else, um, because of him playing in the big games. That's the other thing. And losing, like, it, he lost a ton of big games in college. He never beat anybody any good. Yeah, but he, he he's shown himself to be impressive in two different places, in two different both at Oklahoma and at USC. So I, I like I like what he's put on tape because look. Justin Herbert was, I mean, he was a beast in college, but he didn't win a whole lot of things. He didn't win a bunch of big games at Oregon, but he had the he had the big arm and he was able to show what he could do in the game. I don't know that about Drake May when you're playing against Syracuse and BC. Let's just be honest. Your quality, like you can make the argument about other players at other positions of quality of play, but then if we start talking about a guy like Drake May playing against, you know, a bunch of no pit. Yeah, no, you know, that's fair. Are, that's fair. Yeah, you know, I, so, you know, I, I would... Yeah, I, I'm not a buyer. But I'd still like to have the chance to find out because you know you what you have here ain't it, and I'd okay. like to find out. But what if he ain't it, and then you've just done this all over again, and now what What ain't it now looks a lot like what you just did and what you just had. Like, what What if, like, because I think that Mac Jones becomes tradable once next season happens. I don't think you make that move. I think you allow for other things to take place. You know, maybe a quarterback goes down. Maybe someone wants a better, better quality. you just got to get it back to where someone's willing to give up a fourth well, rounder for Mac Jones. Here's what I want to see happen, though, KJ. Yeah. And this is asking a lot. I get that. But I want them to get a guy, okay, whoever's running the show, whoever the GM is, I want them to go to the draft, and let's say they have the number three overall pick and Drake May's on the board, okay? I want them to either take Drake May, and then if they take Drake May, then he becomes the player that you hope he is, and he's a star quarterback on your team, the face of your franchise for 12 seasons. Or I want them to pass on Drake May and take another player that ends up a star and then watch Drake May be a bust. That would mean I have a guy who knows what the F he's doing. That's what I would like to see. So that would be like Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Because you're going to say, okay, if we're not going to go with that quarterback, then I need to go to the other most immediate area for this team, which is going to be wide receiver. Because yeah. let's just call it what it is. As soon as Marvin Harrison Jr. probably steps in the locker room, he's in competition for wide receiver one before they put on pads. Oh, already. he's easy. I mean, he's on the Patriots. He's right. in. Yes. Right. right. Until once they get out there, they'll be like, okay, yeah, you've moved up on the charts. It might just be a couple weeks thing. So, yes, if you don't go get the franchise-changing quarterback who you believe, and if you whiff on that, that's going to be ugly for another five years. Or you go get the guy who had, and this is why I think if Belichick is still here, he may say, I'm going to go get Marvin Harrison Jr. because I know what the player comes from. I know what his acumen is from. It's like what I talk about with Clay Thompson and, and Steph Curry. That, that These guys, when they were kids sitting at their dinner table, it was like Glenn Rice laying, let me see your form, right? And that's the same thing with Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, this guy's got Peyton Manning probably throwing him balls when he's 10. Mm-hmm. So this, you know what I mean? So this guy knows what a, a zip ball feels like and is ready for that next level almost through DNA. And and I think Belichick would be excited to get a player like that than to try and potentially whiff on, say, a Drake May. That's why I think there's excitement about Bailey Zappi. Not that he's the future, but at least they know there's a solid number two who could potentially offer high value in a year or two in a trade where big Bailey Zappi could go be a starter for somebody, and you could probably get something like a three in return for the guy who was a four. 
So you're developing an asset when you know that you're losing a declining one in Mac Jones. It makes sense to me. Yeah, fine. Let's go to break. It's KJ and Don Darrow, WEEI, in for the Rich Keefe Show. Thank you so much for hanging out, and happy holidays. It's the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. Want Boston sports 24-7? It's easy. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. KJ and Don Darrow, WEEI. In for the Rich Keefe Show. Thank you so much for hanging out with us during the holiday week. Mark, this is the week where I, I say you never know what the day of the week is. You just know it's Christmas. Then someday there's another day, there's another day, then it's New Year's Eve. Like, I, what's today's Tuesday? That's accurate. Yeah, I keep asking what day it is. You forget. Yeah, you get It's okay. It's Christmas Day. What's tomorrow? That's a great question. 617-779-7937. Let's go to Peter and JP. Peter, thanks for the call. You're on the air. Uh, hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, happy holidays. I just wanted to chime in on Mac Jones. Yeah. Uh, and I just wanted to say, as far as trade value, you know, if you're another team looking at Mac Jones, what what is it that you're hoping to get for from this guy? Because, you know, when you're getting a developmental quarterback, you want to have some tools to work with. And I just feel like of all these first-round quarterbacks in a long time, Mac Jones has got to be at the absolute bottom of the list for tools, arm and arm and legs, you know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Peter, thanks for the call. And, man, whatever happened, man, I'm sad that El Oriental de Cuba is closed. Have you? Did you ever go there, Mark? The No. It what just what is it? El Oriental de Cuba, it's a closed restaurant now, but oh, the best Cuban food. Oh, my, it's closed. Like, I'm like, I am hurt. It used to hurt just trying to get parking over there off of Washington Street, but yes. It, nice it, it's a place you, 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 if you've missed it, you, you missed something great. No, um, I know the feeling. I had a golf yeah. course that closed on me, and I I'm still haven't recovered. Oh, I haven't recovered. <laughs> it's a place that means something to you. If it closes, it's hard to recover from. That's true. Well, look, there. The I think part of the, the acquisition of a Mac Jones for a team is an offensive-minded coach who believes that they could develop this guy under the radar because look how many quarterbacks have gone down this year. I mean, my goodness, I was doing BetMGM uh, Daily Tip this morning, Yeah, the national show, and, like, legitimate Joe Flacco is the number two guy for comeback player of the year now, odds makers-wise. Now, number one is DeMar Hamlin. He's just a guy played, like, 17 plays. He's out there. That's just a miracle in itself. But that's how bad the quarterback backup situation is, and Joe Flacco is the fourth quarterback for Cleveland this year. Mm-hmm. So if you know that – Quarterbacks are going down in the quality of backups. If you're, let's say you're, I forgot the guy's name up in Minnesota. Look what Minnesota's going through. You don't think Mac Jones would be in the game right now if, uh, if, if, if he had him up there under development behind Kirk Cousins? You would almost say, like, okay, Mac Jones is out there doing something because he's had a chance to sit. This is what I was talking about earlier. If he has the chance to sit and observe someone doing it right and what things, what to do when things go wrong. I think that's going to benefit Mac Jones. I think there's a lot of parallel between his career and it could be Jim Plunkett's as well. Uh, Jim Plunkett, for those who don't know, there's Google, look it up, it's free. Hell, I had to pay for encyclopedias, damn it, to learn about these guys. You can look it up for free. There's that chance that he can reclimate his career because a lot of offensive guru-minded guys believe that they can rehabilitate guys like a Mac Jones. Well, yeah, didn't Josh McDaniels say he could take a high school quarterback and make him an all-pro or something stupid like that? He could take a Division II quarterback <laughs> and make him an all-pro. Um, 
I, I do think if Mac Jones was in a different situation, he'd probably be competent. I, I don't know what happened here. I don't know where it went wrong. I don't know where. I know you can make the argument that after the bye week, his rookie year, it was never the same. Yeah. So maybe it was just as simple as they got some tape on him. He couldn't. Yeah. He he rode a little hot streak early on there, and then once he hit a little adversity, he never was able to handle it and couldn't process it, and it just didn't work out from there. And it um, rolled into last year, yep. But obviously, I mean, I, I, had, I was a believer in him for a while. I gave him the benefit of the doubt coming into this year and then some, and he couldn't how, have been worse. How much did I believe in him, Mark? You didn't believe in him much. Let's go to the text line, 37937. Nico, what you got? Our first texture says that the draft picks are more important. This team needs talent, and you go get that through drafting. You know what? If you're really, really bad over a consistent period of time, if you look at some of these teams that are better now, you can point back to where they had streaks of losing streak, losing seasons of six and seven years. Even the Chiefs went through like a four-year span of just being really bad during the Romeo Cornell years, right? But that allows you to, to set up portions for you to find a Travis Kelsey to 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 get a, a Patrick Mahomes and start building these different players you had the offensive line that they were able to build which is kind of getting suspect now so I I don't think the Patriots have to be bad for seven years to get back to some semblance of glory I just think that you got to get the quarterback right and then probably start making a transition to a place where free agents on the offensive side of the ball will have a desire to come here that's why I say like if Eric Bieniemy becomes the head coach of the Patriots then they're going to be offensive free agents that want to come play for him. For sure. Yeah, I mean, there just needs to be something. I think part of the reason there's an infatuation with the draft is because people know that's where it starts, and that's where the Patriots had all that success early on building what they ended up building. And it goes. It started before Bill Belichick. Not to take anything away from what Bill Belichick right. did in the draft because he had success too. He built it through the draft, but it was Bill Parcells' draft. With Curtis Martin and Terry Glenn. Yeah, right, right. How about so, Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis? They right. all draft. They were all drafted by the Patriots, and they all ended up as the foundation of the team that won that first Super Bowl. Then, when it turned around again, it was Dante Hightower, it was Chandler Jones, it was Rob Gronkowski, it was Julian Edelman. I know that was a seventh round pick, but that was still the draft. It was or the even, draft. Or, or, or Devin even McCourty, or even Aaron Hernandez, who you know was announced it could, should have been a first round pick, and the Patriots are able to get him in the later rounds, right? And and literally almost had another dynasty and a recreation like the tight end as a weapon, a dual tight end as a weapon was it was something you had not seen until Belichick decided to go have you know pair of, where he's like, look, I don't have to pay money for receivers. I've got two guys that can run out there off the line, paying them really as a, a, a high paid lineman who can catch just as effectively as receivers. So I, I think there's been genius that you've seen from Belichick over the years in adapting, especially with the price of the game and so forth, because. Are the Patriots, do the Patriots in their last three championships in that section, if they had a bunch of high-priced receivers outside of Moss, because remember, Moss was really like, hey, just rescue me from my situation in Oakland, and I'll do for you. But there were no high-priced receivers after that. So you probably don't get the same results if you have high-priced receivers out there and you have people like Wes Welker out there. You then develop the Julian Edelmans and so forth. So you're able to find those gems in the rough. I think it's just tr- you're not going to find guys in the sixth and seventh round that are going to perform. You don't have anymore. Tom Brady. And, and oh, that's by the, the way, part, here's yeah. the other thing. Okay. Now we don't know this, but mm. a guy like Julian Edelman, okay, who was a great player, right. but based on how he arrived at where he ended up getting to in the NFL, 
Could a guy like that do that now? now? With, no. I, I mean, look, Pop Douglas is close. I right. mean, he was sort of a six-round pick. I don't know. Maybe he's better talent-wise. But speed is there. The speed right. is speed there. Is, speed I, I don't know, though, if Edelman would have quite as good of an opportunity now with the lack of practice time and the lack of camp and all these different things as he did 15 years ago when he came in or whatever it was. So You, you know, if there would have been a player that I thought could have really connected with Tom, had Tom stayed, it would have been Jacoby Myers. Right? Oh, because yeah. Well, when he you're was talking, here with Tom Brady. Right, but it was very early on, right? right? It right, was right, just right. like, I'll do whatever the team needs. Right. But it, when you talk about Edelman, you're talking about, okay, I can understand my quarterback because I was a quarterback too. So right. I know what he wants to do, and I can learn from him as a better quarterback. So literally, Edelman is like another quarterback in the room, but I'm a receiver. So I have an acumen that takes me to another level than most receivers would have, and that's why he got so great. Look, we're up against the break. We'll yep. t- continue with the conversation here, plus your text messages. It's KJ and Dondero in for the Rich Keefe Show, the final hour next. We still have Red Sox to talk about. Hang out, and thank you for being here on WEEI.